mercy. Um, one of the things that I'm so proud, as we were talking as a pastoral staff this um, this week, one of the things that I'm so proud about you guys, and it can be commended that a lot of other churches don't have, that we don't have, is that when you are new here, you are welcomed here. Not only are, are you welcome here, but you are embraced here. It's really unique. So it's, it's one of the most unique situations that I've been in um, because you are automatically on the inside when you start coming here. Really unique. And I, I just I want you to know that about our church. And so I commend you, Cornerstone, um, for being that way and being loving towards people. Um, this morning, I, I just again, I rejoice in what's going on on every first Saturday of the month feeding that many people. And just being able to be an arm into the community. And uh, it's really a great thing to, to have a part of our church. And I don't know that we totally realize the, the whole scope of it. That you have a church that is outreaching into the community like we do. Um, I'm really proud of, of what we do and, and what has been going on here. This morning for you uh, new people, I'm going to grab my water real quick. One thing that you will learn uh, about me really quick is that I get pretty excited and passionate about the Word of God. And uh, one thing also this morning that you're going to notice, I come here this morning kind of shaky. One thing, I had a dream this week, and uh, the dream was that I got up to preach and I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I say that's a nightmare, not a dream. And so that's not going to happen this morning. But another one is, this is such a hot topic for the church and, and um, for part of who we are. And it's funny, we're in the Sermon on the Mount. So if you turn your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 7, we're on the Sermon on the Mount. And we're in chapter 7, we've just started it. And um, Jesus again is going to talk to the disciples. And he's bringing up some characteristics that he doesn't want his disciples to take on. And so as we see in Matthew 7 is that he's still on the Pharisees. And he's still going at them. But he's also telling his disciples something. And I want to share a quick story from the Bible with you from Jesus. He gave the story himself. And it starts like this in Matthew 18, 9. It says, and he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. I want you to hear those words. Who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. So let me go on with the story. The story goes that there was a religious man. He went in to um, give his alms and give to pray. And then there on this side, there's an unrighteous man, a sinner, above all sinners. So this righteous man begins to pray before the Father and say, Oh Lord, I thank you so much. Thank you for my life. And I'm paraphrasing it. I do all things well. I tithe twice. I tithe. I fast twice a week because they're fasting twice a week. I do this and that. Lord, I'm a good man. And Lord, most of all, I thank you that I'm not like this man over here. I thank you so much. Then you got the sinner over here. He can't even lift his head. He knows that he's a sinner. So he's going into the presence of God saying, Lord, I have nothing to offer you. Will you forgive me? 
Lord, I need your mercy. I need your grace. I am a sinner above all sinners. And he can never lift his head. And then Jesus goes on to finish the story. And he asks the question, who goes home justified? Who goes home justified? It's the man that can't lift his head. The man that knows that he, de- he relies on the grace of God. And then you've got the religious man who relies on himself. And so when Jesus is talking to us in Matthew 7, this is the very attitude that he's talking about. And you see, I believe with all my heart, this is part one of a two-part sermon, because that's what part one is. I I mean, you guys, I am bright. I've got it all up in my mind. It's great. But it says I'm not critical, am I? Part one. It's asking a question. And we take this scripture out of context so often, and even the world knows this scripture. And so often when they talk about us as believers and those who want to do right before the Lord, and even believers themselves say this very verse that Jesus is saying in Matthew 7, verses 1 and 2. It says, Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the ways you judge, it will be ju- you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. You guys have been in the place where you're just trying to point out truth to others. And they say, who are you to judge me? So this week, we're going to talk about those who love to judge. Next week, we're going to talk about the righteous judgment. So this week, we're going to focus on verses 1 through 5 and verse 12. Next week, we're going to do chapter 6, or uh, verse 6, and then we'll go 13 through 23. Because you see, so often, we take it in the aspect of that Jesus says that we are not to make righteous judgment. And that we are not to judge others. But you see, there is Scripture that gives precedence for us to actually be discerning. And to call things out for what they are. We see it in John chapter 7 verse 24. Jesus says make right judgments. Galatians 1, 8 through 9 says, If someone is preaching a different gospel. Uh, Philippians chapter 3 verse 2. Look out for evildoers. 1 John 4 verse 1. Test the spirit to see if they are from God. You see, so when it says, do not judge that you, uh, that you will not be judged, it's not saying don't be discerning. And I would even say to you this morning that what I preach this morning, you are to be discerning if it's truth or not. And I, be, I will be honest with you, I pray that I'm speaking truth. That's why I so often try to stay away from my own opinions And stick with the text because I get myself in trouble all the time. But you have to be discerning. And I would say that if I'm being a little bit naive or whatever, I trust your discernment. I trust that you have the ability to see truth and lies between evil and good. If you don't, because some of us have better gifts of discernment than others, then you can pray to God and ask you to give you a discerning spirit. 
to know what truth is. We as a body of Christ, we are called to be mature. We are called to be whole, complete. And part of my job is from Colossians 1.28 that I'm to present one man at a time complete in Christ Jesus, mature in Christ Jesus. So I use this pulpit as, as, a, as a pulpit to proclaim truth. You see, Jesus himself is making judgments about the Pharisees through the whole Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is not telling His disciples to turn a blind eye to others' faults and criticism but ref- or refuse to discern between truth and error or good and evil. He's not saying don't do that. Then we have to ask ourselves, what is Jesus saying here? What is He telling us as disciples that we are to be doing? And this is very applicable for our day. You see, because what happens is we look and do not judge so that you will not be judged in verse 7. And really, this is one of those sermons that Jesus can preach for Himself. I could just read it and we could go home. That's probably what some of you want to do. But the backers are on a bye week. And then we're depressed because Wisconsin got beat 14-7 to in the big house. I was really hoping, my, my wife, I, we were going on a date, and I said, i got to turn on the score real quick. So why do you care about Wisconsin? Because I'm, I'm an Arkansas fan. I said, I want them to beat Michigan. That's all that matters. They didn't do it. Still a good game. So we look at the Scripture, and we, just, we scratch our head and say, Jesus, what are you saying to us? And you see what happens as we look on the Sermon on the Mount. If you're new here and you want to get the CDs of some great preaching, go ahead. Um, it's up to you. Really? And donations? Just kidding. Is it, these are hard sermons for a preacher to preach. I talk about divorce. I talk about adultery. I talk about hating. Talk about when you give, when you pray, when you fast. And then we are here Do not judge. And see what happens is us as believers, God says to be holy as I am holy. So we are to have a standard that is up here, not down here of the world. But what happens, and I think Jesus is saying to His disciples, don't be like the Pharisees. I expect perfection from you, holiness from you, but don't be like the Pharisees. Because you see the word here for judge... If you look at it, it's not what we're thinking it is. It's not a court system. It's not to bring others to judgment. But what he's saying here, and the the root word here, is to say, do not be judgmental and do not be critical of others. And if you want to go deeper into word, look at the strong concordance. And it says, basically says this, do not be censorious. Well, what does that mean? I have a good question. Censor, censorious. Is being severely critical of others. And then he's saying this, judgmental, and this is what this is saying to us. It says, judgmental is having or displaying a critical view of others. And then in light of other scriptures we see, be careful how you judge someone. And ask yourself, why are you being so critical of others? What's your point? 
And it says this in Romans 2. If you could go there with me, if you're a quick Bible turner. I got my tabs on this morning, so I'll probably be faster. But if you go to Romans 2, 1 through 4. The word for judge is the same word used in these scriptures that I'm getting ready to talk about. Paul says this. Therefore, you have no excuse. Every one of you who passes judgment, for in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. And we know that judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. But do you suppose this, O man? When you pass judgment on those who practice such things and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you think lightly of the riches of His kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads to repentance? And you see, I like this verse 4, and I know we've all said at least this statement, the kindness, kindness of God leads us to repentance. But Paul is using the exact same word that Jesus used, judge not, that you would not be judged. And Paul is saying that when you judge others, if you are doing the same thing that they are doing and the same thing that you're judging them for, your judgment's going to be just as severe. And so often it's easy, and I had a pastor, a Pentecostal pastor in Arkansas, he would get with it. And he'd always say, look, when I'm pointing at you, I've got three, point, three, three, peener, three fingers pointing, and he would talk like that too. So, three pointer. Okay, Lord. Three fingers pointing right back at me. But so often, it's so easy for us. We all are guilty of this is to point the finger of others. We're not willing to examine our own lives. We're not willing to say, hey, what about me? And so often when I find myself being criticized, it hurts. Or when I find myself criticizing others, it hurts. And so often when I hear a word that's been spoken about me, it hurts, and, but then I think, how many times have I spoken a word against somebody else? And it's easy for me to say, okay, I leave it alone, Lord, I get it. But Jesus does not want us to be a disciple that criticizes everything. He doesn't want us to severely criticize everything. And it says this in Romans 14, 10-13. But you... Why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. All of us. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance 
in the way of a brother. And just to put that scripture in context, it's talking about food. But the concept here is the same word again is used judgment. We all of us, all of us, will stand before God and be held accountable for what we say, what we do, and how we act. That's a scary thing. And then not only that, when we're going to look back into Matthew 7, it gets a little bit scarier. And then James 4, 11 through 12 says, Do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you who judge your neighbor? Same word again used that Jesus used. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. You see, I believe that a person with a critical spirit has given in to the sinful nature of wanting to be judged. Taking the judgment away from God and placing it in their own court. And we've all heard this said, who's died and made you king? Or who's died and made you boss? How many of you guys have said that? Oh, all of us as kids. It's like the, the younger sibling, and you've probably said it to your sister, I'm sure. Who died and made you boss? Dad. And I know my kids will say it. To Lindsay, poor girl. But it's true. We've taken God. When we are critical of others, we have taken God out of the equation and have put ourselves right upon that throne. And we have made judgments that are not ours to make. This is part one. We're going to talk about the discerning. So we're going to go to one extreme. And I've always learned through my biblical training and through training of life that so often the the great speakers that I've heard, they are always to the extreme. Why are they always to the extreme? So they'll pull pull us back to a middle ground and begin to look at life a little bit um, with balance. And so often we need extremes to bring us back to a balance. Is God not big enough? To take care of his church and his creation? Let me ask that one more time. Is God not big enough to take care of his church and his creation? Think about it. It's kind of one of those moments I had a couple weeks ago. That you're preaching, and then all of a sudden you just bam, and I want to just yell, and I won't, I'm containing myself. And it's because we so often take that place, but I want you to know that Satan did the same thing. You see how evil it is to take the seat of judge? That's what Satan wanted to do. And that's why Satan was cast out. He wanted to make himself above God. 
You see, you and I, we are going to be a spotless lamb before the throne. Christ is coming back for a spotless bride, isn't he? Is that up to you or me? Our jobs are to speak truth and not be critical. Over time, a person with a critical spirit will lose their authority to speak into situations, even if what they are saying is truth. I just had to pick this picture because that's what I feel like doing. And I was thinking about this, and we all know it, and... um, We've all lived beside, or not all of us, but some of us have lived beside a train track, and that train track, chugga, 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 chugga. And in Louisville, Kentucky, they had a law that you couldn't do your horn inside of a certain part of the city limits, but not ours. And so every morning, four or five, it toot, toot, you know, ah. But when you live by constant noise, that noise becomes background, doesn't it? You didn't know this, but I know it. In this sanctuary, if you are here in this sanctuary by yourself, that cursed clock goes tick-tock, 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 tick-tock. And it keeps a rhythm. But you know what? After time, that noise becomes nothing. And see, you're like... Why do you stop listening to critics? And if you have a critical spirit about you, don't lose the element of truth that you're speaking. Don't lose that element of truth that you're speaking. Because listen to this, you will reap what you sow. And I want you to know as the lead pastor here that I want you to know that I am my worst critic. And as I was um, reading a scholar and and preparing for this message, he said something that was very important. And I was sharing it with a friend the other night. And he said, an artist usually is their worst critic. And what he was saying, this is a good thing. Because they look at their artwork and they criticize their artwork. And then that gives them ability to criticize others in a right way. And so often, we have to be careful. And as a partial perfectionist that I am, I'm often hardest on myself. But I want you to know, if you're hard on yourself, and you become an Eeyore, woe is me. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. That's not a good thing to do. That's not what I'm talking about. We'll talk about that in just a minute. I have a quick story to share, and I won't get into details too much. But if you have questions, you can ask me later. Me and Alyssa, you know, you guys know that we are involved with Youth with a Mission. We had this lady that we discipled. And she went on to become, she was saved out of a homosexual lifestyle and radically changed for Jesus. She came to the discipleship training school and me and Alyssa were part of her life, discipling her. She did well. She went to Uzbekistan as a missionary. 
And then I later came to find out that she um, lived in these horrible, horrible conditions. No electricity, no running water. And the people that were telling us about her couldn't believe that she was able to do what she was doing. And of course, that makes our heart glad to know that somebody was out there working in an unreached area and giving it all. Then she came back to the States. And I don't know what happened, but she went straight back into her lifestyle. It disappointed, it grieved me and Alyssa bad, and it still does this day, and it's been years. And still to think about what she does and what she's doing now. And she kind of got deceived and into it's okay to be a Christian and a homosexual, and then... The progression became worse and worse, and now she's not even going to a church, and she's not anywhere near the cross. And I remember wanting to share with her, hey, don't do this, don't do this. And, and I was saved out of drugs and alcohol. And after years of, of living life and, and getting my life Jesus, it wasn't me, it was Jesus getting my life back into order. And I had found the freedom to drink alcohol again once in a while. Bear with me, please, bear with me. But you see, I was saved out of that lifestyle. And I know if you sit with me long enough, I don't preach against it. I don't find it in the Word. I do strong drink and drunkenness is there. But I remember wanting to speak to this lady saying, how can you go back to your old lifestyle? And I am not one to put my beliefs on you, but Lord spoke to me in that moment and said, how can you say anything when you've found freedom? I get that but you're going back into something that I have delivered you from. What authority do you have to speak to her? And I'm not putting that off on anybody. It's an example. And so, the, so then what I did was said, okay, Lord, I get it. Maybe drinking is okay, but it's not for me. And Lord, I get it now that when I look to you and look in your eyes and look in your face, that I can say, Lord, with confidence, when I speak to others, my heart is right before you. Not being critical, but speaking truth. And you see, it goes back, and I want to cover verse 2 real quick. For in the way you judge you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured back to you. And I think Luke chapter 6, verse 37 38 says this really well. Do not judge. Do not be critical. Overly critical. And you will not be judged. And do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. Give, and it will be given back to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, 
pressed down, shaken together and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. So often we hear that in the, the give, 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 give. And that is a portion of this. But I think we can look at a little bit stronger and a little bit more of a backing to say that they will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. So for you and I, when we are critical and we fall into a critical spirit, Beware, others will be the same to you. Then not only that is it's not only going to happen in this life, but you're going to stand before the Father. And I would say the judgment here isn't a heaven and hell judgment. Okay, I want us to understand that this isn't heaven or hell. This is an aspect that we all will be held accountable. And I'll leave for you to discern what that is for you. The point is being established. The judgmental person, by not forgiving and loving, testifies to his own arrogance, by which he shuts himself out from the forgiveness. And then verse... Verses 7, 3 through 5. And somebody took my log. The stick. I'm just kidding. Robin. (laughs) Robin is such a good man. I want you guys to know that. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) He's a precious saint. Most of the time. (laughs) Amen. I knew that was coming from Ginger. I knew it. Okay, um, verses 3 through 5. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Can you imagine if I went to a doctor and said, hey doc, I got a piece of steel in my eye, and he's blind? I'd be a fool. And I think that's why Jesus is saying that. Don't be overly critical when you yourself don't have it together. And how do I know this? Because Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, including me. And why do I say including me? Because anytime I preach, I want to be honest with you and I'm examining my own heart. See, we must first examine ourselves in order to even help others. Romans 5, and this was said during worship, for while we were still sinners, helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one who will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die, but God demonstrates His own love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having not been justified. Having been just, 
now having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. We need to first look at our own lives in the shadow of the cross. Again, have you ever taken the place of God? You see, and then so often, and I've, it saddens my heart because I've been on the other end of being criticized in the mission world and have seen great men of God being criticized. Men that have given their lives to reach the unreached. And because they don't do things quite right, they get criticized and they get slandered. And if you just take the time to talk to somebody that you're criticizing and find out where their heart is and what their motives are, you might change your tune just a bit. It doesn't mean they're right. But you've got to hear their motives. And so often we're quick to judge one another and our motives. But you see in Jeremiah 19 or 17, 9-10, it says, The heart is more deceitful than any else and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. And you see, that's why I am so confident. Not in my own ability, not in my own choices, but that if I make choices and then my heart is exposed of why I did what I did, I thank God for that. And if you're quick to criticize, are you quick to first pray? Are you quick to pray? Are you quick that God would change a heart and change a mind? And I would say, if you're like me so often, no. And then why I quake so often and why I'm quaking at this sermon is because I think, and I will speak it now, and forgive me. Forgive me in advance. It's kind of like when I'm talking to my wife. I say, honey, please don't get offended. I'm getting ready to say something. And just for you young married people, that's sometimes you've got to do that. Just embrace them for what's coming. And you say, don't get angry, because what I'm going to say, please don't get angry, but I'm going to say something. And so often in our relationship, if we do that, it, it, the conversation goes way better. Trust me. I'm not sleeping on the couch that night. But in this area, in the Fox Valley, criticism runs rampant amongst the church. So often we are so critical and we're not willing to check the heart and the motives. And then next week we're going to talk about the fruit. And so quick we're to jump on one another and even this church has found itself in the crosshairs of criticism. I remember when I was taking the job here, the pastorate. And a friend told me, hey, look at this. Look what was said about your church. I went online and looked at it and I was offended. Words were said and I didn't agree with them. And then I look at the person who made the statements and I look at the wake and the waves that that person has left behind in other churches. And I realize that criticism has no weight. So you see, let's be slow to criticize. 
and quick to love. And you see, Paul says this, although they are giving the gospel to hurt me, while I'm in prison, they are hurting me by their preaching. And they're doing it in selfish mode, in selfish ambition. And then what does Paul say? Glory be to God, the gospel is going forward. And you see, when I talk about the gospel, I get a little excited. What am I to do when I was a sinner that is saved by grace? And I want you to know that although you've fallen short of the glory of God, there's so much forgiveness for you this morning. And you see, then we'll end the sermon. Treat others how you want to be treated. It's the golden rule. We all know it. But we so much forget it. And in everything, therefore, treat people the way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. Jesus says if you do two things well, you're doing good. And there's two hardest things in life. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love one another as yourself. All the laws and what the prophets have said rely on those two things. So the worship team come forward. So I want to encourage us this 